somebody's there, say amen. amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 16. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Amen. I want to preach this morning, taking a lesson from a manger. Taking a lesson from a manger. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word here. Hallelujah. Lord, help us to grow through the digestion of your word, Lord, that we will grow spiritually. In the name of the Lord, you may be seated in Jesus' name. Well, it's that time of year. All eyes are moving toward Christmas. Amen. I'm sorry, Arlene, but... but the manger scene's not up yet. <laughs> Still trying to finish the porch. So <laughs> priorities. I have no plug right now. So. <laughs> and I know this is only my personal opinion, and I know my voice is only one. But I tell you, church, Christmas is distorted. It is distorted. It is it is not what its original intention was. It is not. And I'm not talking about, you know, don't take Christ out of, out of Christmas. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people didn't go into debt for a half a year just because of Christmas. You, you can't even, you're, you're afraid to say Merry Christmas anymore. To some people, you better say happy holidays. You don't want to, you know, Merry Christmas. Well, what if they don't believe in Christ? I don't, you know, people didn't worry about that before. But I'll tell you, church, that, that Christmas, it's really about one thing. And it's not gifts. It is about the birth of a Savior. He came to where we were at. Amen. He came when we were in our most hopeless state, and saved us. He was God in the manger, and that's a miracle. 
this, this, it's, it's almost impossible for us to comprehend that God came down to earth. He was born in a manger for the purpose of saving us from our sinful nature. Uh, and so it became such an important moment in history uh, that history is now divided basically into two divisions. And it's interesting, as I was studying this, A.D., you know, as a kid I was taught A.D. stood for after death, but it doesn't. It stands for uh, uh, Anno Domini, Latin for in the year of the Lord. So A.D. in English stands for at his birth, the year of the Lord, the year that he was born. In B.C., well, church, I can't explain it to you, but B.C. has no Latin definition. Uh they just decided, well, if it's not A.D., then it must be before Christ. And so B.C. does stand for before Christ. There's no Latin definition for, for B.C. Um, and so you have A.D. and you have B.C., calendars, historians. Every, everyone counts forward from this time before Christ after Christ. Amen. It's significant. Even if you exclude all the religious aspects, his birth in that manger changed history. It changed it. Amen. And so Christmas, it is the beginning of a truly classic story. And man, it contains all the great ingredients for a story. Love and, and joy and peace and Celebration and salvation, reconciliation, goodwill toward all men. This little babe in a manger was none other than God himself. Entered into humanity, into our story, into our history to provide a solution for the problem of sin. And it all started in this manger. Let's take a lesson from a manger this morning. Amen. When Jesus allowed himself to be laid down in that manger, he identified himself with all of us. He was born in a manger. He made himself accessible to us. Church, do you understand what a manger is? Uh, if you worked on a farm, you know, uh, there was a, we had mangers in the farm I worked on. And uh, you, would, you would fill them with hay. You would drive your old truck or, tra or tractor uh, up to those big mangers. And you would just fill them with hay, especially in the, in the winter when they were outside, you know, and they didn't have anything to eat on. You'd fill those mangers. And, and when those cows heard the, the sound of that tractor trailer, the sound of that, that John Deere uh, driving up to the middle of that field, now I'm... I'm I'm telling you this from first-person point of view. You know, they would start, to, they would come a-running because they knew, hey, here comes some food. Uh, it was for everybody. And, and, and so a manger uh, uh, kind of tells us in a way that Jesus is for everybody. Amen. He's not excluded from anyone or nobody is excluded from him in, anymore. Everyone has access to Jesus Christ. When we understand the significance of this birth, he was not born in a, in, a, in a mansion. He was not born in a castle. 
amen, where no one had access to him. He was born in a low little manger where anyone could find him. And so to understand the history of this event, amen, Philippians 2, 5, and 6, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And so Jesus Christ, though he was God, gave up his divine privilege. He took on this humble uh, 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 position as a slave and came to where we were at, being born as a human being. For becoming a tiny unborn baby, he was the Almighty God. The Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, maker of all things. Right? Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I mean, in this little babe, in this manger, was the Almighty God, the Creator of all things. This un, this, this, this tiny baby within this young virgin, even before he was born, was, was the Almighty God. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with Him, or with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So in this scene in Bethlehem, it's simplicity. It's a father. It's a mother. It, it's, it's a baby. It's the Word made flesh dwelling among us. And so God's message, amen, just like the scene, it's simple. Those who come with simple faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to find peace. Just come to him with some simple faith. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I believe who you are. Amen. I need you in my life. And so for nearly 2,000 years, people have debated, religions have debated who Jesus Christ is. Skeptics have offered uh, uh, numerous explanations of this man, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, but biblical evidence makes it overwhelmingly clear that he was born in a manger. Born in a manger. And so the world is happy to let this baby Jesus be in a manger. But church, the world doesn't always want to make him the mighty God. The world doesn't always want to make him the everlasting father. Uh, I, I would rather just leave him in a manger as a baby. But church, you've got to bow down and worship him. You, you've got to make him the mighty God. You've got to make him the everlasting father. Amen. You see, Christmas is not about Christ's infancy. It's about his deity. It's, a, it's about God robing himself in flesh and dwelling among us. And, and we can't just worship him because he came to us. We've got to worship him because he was God that came to us. The almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so we, we recognize the fact that he was the son of God. We recognize the fact that he had flesh 
and, and, and marrow and bone just like you and I do. But we also recognize the fact that he was God, God in the flesh. Amen. He was fully human because we needed somebody. We needed a kinsman redeemer. Uh, we needed somebody who was like us to die for us. So he was fully human, but church, at the same time, he was fully God, and so that's powerful. It, 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 it's the wisdom of God, amen, that God would somehow find a way to make us, amen, to make himself like us, to save us from our sins. In church, there is one word that uh, defines this whole event, this whole season, and it's love. He loves us. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, that God is love. It doesn't say he has love. It says he is love. He loves me. It's his nature. God created us as an object of his love. I've been thinking a lot about my dad lately. Uh, uh, there's a nature in my father that is just amazing because, because he was an engineer and an artist at the same time. And so uh, I won't bore you, but, but, but most of you know I bought an old beat-up boat, and uh, my brother and I are, are restoring it. We're working on it. Not, we're not, it's taken a long time because we're not putting a lot of money into it. So we're just piddling here and there. Well, my dad, we left it at my dad's house, and so what my dad has done is uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, he has drawn out the face, the top of the boat in, in an arts rendition. Every, and it's a, it's a bass boat. It was a professional bass fisherman's boat. And so every, you know, it has like 11 different containers. It has a live well. It has all these things. And uh, so he drew out this rendition of the top of my boat, and he drew out every every lid. He drew out every screw hole, every little thing that latches, and and it has like 119 different screws and latches on this whole thing. And he drew them all out, and then he took this cardboard, and he numbered. He 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 drew a little dot and he numbered the dots like from 1 to 119 and then he started taking everything off and all the screws he put in their corresponding hole on this cardboard and so what we're going to do is we're we're going to sand down all the all the lids and repaint them and then we're going to uh, uh, we're going to sand down with wet sander we're going to sand down the fiberglass that's oxidized and we're going we're gonna to polish it, and, you know, it's going to take a lot of work, but not a lot of money, thank the Lord. And then when we're done getting that all done, we're going to have this cardboard number with Dad's rendition of the boat, and we're going to just put everything back together because he has drawn out a plan because it's his nature. Listen, I'm not that smart, and I'm not even close to that smart. My dad's a smart guy. And when he, when I went there uh, later, earlier this summer, whenever, and he, he presented to me his idea, I said, Dad, are you kidding me? That's, this is genius stuff in my mind. 
I would have never thought of that, to draw out the boat and then to number each little thing and then to have a cardboard. So you just screw in the little screws into the cardboard. and Amazing. But it's his nature. You see, it's not something that he, he consciously said, I need to figure out something. I mean, that's kind of what I would have done. I would have gone to Google and said, how do I, you know, do this or that, right? But not my dad with this because it's his nature. Church, God doesn't have to Google whether he loves you or not. You see where I'm going with this? God doesn't have to think or read a book and say, should I love Bill or not? Should I love Delos or not? He loves you because it's his nature to love us. He doesn't choose to love us. He just loves us because it's not that God has love in him. It's that God is love. He loves me. Amen. In in church it sounds kind of crude, but he loves me because he doesn't really have a choice. He is love. Amen. And so wherever you're at in life, church, this Christmas season tells us one thing. He loved us, and so he came to where we were at. He found a way to enter into a relationship with us because it's his nature to have a relationship with us. It's not just what he wants to do. It's it's what he is. He is love and he loves me and he found a way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God loves you so much. That he robed himself in flesh, and that flesh is called the Son of God. And he came into this world for our salvation. And church, that's the true meaning of of Christmas, is that we celebrate this incredible love that God has for you. And this incredible love that God has for me. Why is it necessary, church? Because we need a Savior. We need to be saved. Why does God love us so much? Because he is love. It is his nature. He doesn't even have to think about it. He just loves us. Ephesians 3 and 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God loves us, church, and because he loves us, he has provided a way, amen, for us to spend an eternity with him. He's made a way. He took the punishment for our sins. He paid the price in full, and we are free from condemnation, amen. We're free from it. I read a story of a missionary in South America who went to a prison, And it was one of the rougher prisons. I believe it was Brazil. And uh, in this prison, uh, they had uh, scriptures written on the walls. And everyone in this prison uh, went to church services and worshiped God. And they were unified in their love for God. And the prison guard said, told uh, this missionary, we have no problems in this prison at all. None. Everyone in this prison uh, uh, believes in Christ. Everyone in this prison. There, There isn't one who hasn't been converted. And when we have the roughest of prisoners 
who, who give other prisons problems that are beyond management. They send that prisoner to our prison. And it won't take long for that prisoner to turn to Christ. And then all the problems go away. Uh, and he said, the guard said, we, there is one there is one place that is a place for solitary confinement. And, uh, and, and there is one prisoner in this solitary confinement who, who is not being released from the solitary confinement. And, uh, and the missionary said, well, sh- could you show me him? Maybe, maybe I could convert him. And the guard said, well, well, okay. And so uh, they went down this long corridor, and, and uh, he explained the, you know, solitary confinement was for the, is for the worst of the worst. And, uh, uh, um, you know, you are separated. You, you, it, it's the worst conditions. And so uh, he, he unlocked that door, and he slowly opened that door until the missionary could see who was in that solitary confinement. And, and what he saw was this. All the prisoners got together and they carved out a cross with Christ crucified on the cross. And they put the cross in this room. And they accepted the fact that Jesus had paid the price for their sin. They they. It's so powerful, church. They openly acknowledged that that he was paying the price for their mistakes. Amen. That he was in a place so they wouldn't have to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, why do we celebrate Christmas? Because of what he's done for us. Amen. Because of why he came. We reflect on his birth. By giving ourselves to him. By worshiping him. By by sharing our blessings. By letting other people know. What Jesus Christ has done for us. Oh that is love. Amen. I tell you, church, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you no longer seek out love. You, you don't need, you don't need uh, uh, love and appreciation from others. You really don't because you have it from him. When your relationship is real with Jesus Christ, you don't need people to constantly reaffirm you. You don't. He reaffirms me. I don't need you to reaffirm me. It's nice, but church, when you have a solid relationship with Christ, you don't need it. Because in the end, He is all that matters. You no longer seek control. You don't need to be in control. You don't need to dominate over others when you have a true relationship with Him. Because when that relationship is true with Christ, you become His subject. You, you become a servant of Christ. And a servant doesn't dominate. Right? A servant doesn't seek control. A servant serves. And so when we are true in our relationship with Jesus Christ, 
Amen. Our, our, our love is satisfied with God. Amen. And we are recreated to love Him and to serve Him. And it becomes our natural position. Our natural position to love and to serve. Amen. Mother Teresa told a story when she addressed the National Prayer Breakfast in uh, 1994. She said, one evening I went out and uh, I was with some other nuns and we found four people in the streets. And one of them was in a terrible condition. And I told the other sisters, take care of these other three and I'll take care of this one that looks the worst. And so I did. I did for her everything that my love could do. I put her in bed, and I washed her up. And she took my hand as she was lying in that bed. Mother Teresa said, I I didn't have time to get food in her belly. I didn't have time uh, 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 to get her new clothes. I I just washed her up a little and put her in bed. Uh, I had these other things planned. I wanted to nurse her back to health. I wanted to make her better. <laughs> and she said that elderly, that elderly lady took my hand and she spoke two words to me. She said, thank you. And she smiled ear to ear and died. And Mother Teresa said, I could not help but examine my conscience before her as she laid there. And I asked myself, what would I say if I were in her place? Mother Teresa said this. What would I have said if I were in her place? I would have tried to draw a little attention to me. I would have said, I'm hungry. I would have said, I think I'm dying. I, I would have said something like, I'm, I'm in pain. There's something drastically wrong with me. Or something like that. But she gave me much more. She gave me her grateful love. And then she died smiling. You see, church, gratitude brings a smile. Which becomes a gift. Mother Teresa realized that she had received a gift from this lady. Church, when you are grateful, amen, let people know about it. Amen. Let them know how thankful you are because it becomes a gift to them. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. And this is the first and the greatest command. This world is full of people with different beliefs and different opinions. And these differences, they divide people. But church, the Bible and God's word and God's spirit, it's supposed to unify us. Our differences are supposed to be put to death. And this world will fight their wars and society will argue over all these different agendas and homes will be divided. But church, Christ is united. Amen? Amen? Christ is a place where unity and peace and 
And love prevails. He is the oneness. He brings us together. We have a common ground. We, we celebrate love. We celebrate reconciliation. Remember, church, that that was why he was born. That's why he sacrificed his life. Amen. We must follow him. We must follow his commands. We must be who he is. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Thank you, Lord. My father taught me to drive, and he taught me to drive in a, in a green Pinto. Anyone remember those Pintos? It was a, were they all hatchbacks? It was a hatchback Pinto. And it was a, I call them standards, but they don't even make them. They're not even the standard transmission. And then they changed the name to manual, and now you almost have to order them. They, they just don't make them really anymore. But back then, you know, he taught me how to drive a standard. Now, my dad, when in his younger age, in his younger days, raced cars, race cars. And uh, 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 won, he, he, he won some races. Uh, probably the coolest picture we have of him is standing at Watkins Glen in front of his 1951 Jag holding the first place trophy. That's a cool picture. That's a cool picture. And so he taught me a lot of stuff when we were driving. He took me to, to a steep hill and, uh, and told me to, to turn the car off on the steep hill. And he, and he showed me how to get that car started and moving forward without moving it back at all in a standard. Now, this is useless information, but if you ever find yourself in that situation, it's easy. Use the emergency brake. Use the emergency brake. And then once that car starts to move forward, as you take your foot off the clutch and put it on the gas, as the car starts moving forward, take off the emergency brake. That's one of the easy ways to do it. My dad taught me how to shift a standard without using the clutch. There is a certain speed where there's that little space where you can just go to the next gear. He taught me how to do that. I, maybe everyone knows how to do that. I don't know, but... Dad taught me that. He taught me, he taught me how to skid. He took me out when it was winter, took me to a, a parking lot and, and told me to try to wreck the car. Told me how to turn into a slide. Told me not to use my brakes when you start sliding. You know, he, just all these different things, you know. Uh, uh, and then I got my driver's license. My dad was a better teacher than any driver's ed. <coughs> he was. And uh, I got my driver's license. My dad taught me well. He let me drive his car. He let me drive his car. Uh, uh, and in church to this day, to this day, I can still see my dad uh, watching me as I backed out of that long, winding driveway, amen, and drove away uh, uh, thinking my dad has taught me how to drive. You see, church, God loved us because he is trying to teach us how to love one another. God came to where we were at, amen, and became the perfect example for us so we could love one another. I mean, I know that it's a worn-out statement, what would Jesus do? But, church, it's true. We need to live like Jesus lived. We need to treat each other like Jesus would treat each other. Right? Hallelujah. So we celebrate this Christmas. We celebrate this Christmas doing what our Father has shown us to do, loving one another, praying and doing 
amen, our Father's business, promoting love and peace and goodwill toward all men. Remember, church, Christmas began in the heart of God. It just was completed in our hearts, but it began in His. Now, I want to draw your attention to the manger before we shut it down this morning. And she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. This is the um, amplified version, I believe. And she wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hotel. And this manger, it's just a box. It's a, it's, it's a, a, a trough where, where horses and cattle eat out of. There are 783,137 words in the King James Bible. Of the 783,137 words, there's only three that are manger. And we read them this morning. The box or the trough was found in a stable that night, church. It was an item of complete insignificance. There was no significance to that manger at all. It was so unimportant that it could easily be conceived that it was just built out of leftover wood, right? That's a manger. You don't, you don't use your best wood for a manger. It's a manger. If the truth were told, the stable could easily do without a manger, right? Uh, cows and horses don't need a manger to eat. They don't care. If we had just taken the hay, which we probably did from time to time, and just thrown it onto the ground, those cows would have said, hold on! Hold on, Mr. Bag. You better put that hay in that manger or else I'm not eating. Right? We don't need the manger. It's just an, an, a nicety. It's just, it's just leftover wood. It's just, you know, it's irrelevant. It's immaterial, really. But church, on this night, that manger had a new adventure. Yeah, hallelujah. Right? That manger was probably thinking, oh no, someone's going to throw hay in me again and those horses and those cows are going to slobber all over me and, and oh no, and what, wait, what is this? And Mary lays the little baby Jesus inside that manger. Oh, this unimportant piece of stable furniture was transformed into a worldly acclaim because the Christ child was born. It transformed. Listen, it didn't just transform this manger. It transformed what a manger is. I don't care if it's August 19th and it's 200, 100 degrees out. And you hear the word manger. You're not thinking about any animals. You hear the word manger. First thing that comes to your mind is Christmas. Christmas. Jesus was born in a manger. Sometimes if, if, you, if, if you don't know anything about farming and stuff, many people, especially kids, they probably don't even know what a manger is. They laid the baby Jesus in a manger. Oh, what's a manger? It's, it's a crib. It's another word for crib, I guess. No, no, it's not. 99% of the time when we hear the word manger, it's where the newborn Jesus was born. When I hear the word manger in a sentence, when I hear the word manger, uh, uh, 
on the radio, when I read the word manger in a book, 99.9% of the time, it's about Jesus. It's not a word that you use in a book normally or you use, amen, in a conversation unless you're talking about Jesus. It is the dynamic of the definition, the manger. There is something about adding Christ to something that's so ordinary that's so insignificant, that changes its definition altogether. Without Christ, church, without Christ, there is no purpose in my life. I am, without Christ, a manger is a feeding trough. It's a, it's a feeder. It's used to hold food for animals. But when you have Christ, church, you are forever changed when you have Christ. Amen. We, we are, we're like that manger. We aren't the same. Jesus has, has laid himself in us. We aren't the same anymore. We have been changed. In church, I'll tell you that without Christ, we weren't significant at all. We, were, we had no power. We had no direction. We were just left over. We were filled with grief. We were filled with frustration. There were no plans for us, but church, when Jesus got a hold of us, I shed that insignificance for significance. When, when Jesus got a hold of my heart, amen, when Jesus began to knock on my life, church, I began to realize that there was some value to me. I tell you, church, from the very beginning, Jesus saw the value in that manger. He saw the value in that manger long before he, he was ever laid in that. Church, he knows the value of every one of us. Every one of us, he knows the value. We've been created in his image. Amen. We are valuable. But, oh, when, he, when we have him in our hearts, when we have him in our lives, Old things pass away. All things have become new. Church, to answer your transformation in your life, add Jesus to it. Add Jesus to your life. And he will transform you. The way to conquer your weakness over sin, Jesus Christ. You don't have to be dictated to by people's opinions and, and personalities and mentalities. Just add Jesus. Just add Jesus, church. He brings so much significance to our lives. Amen? It was Christmas Eve, Sister Bag, I'm close to finishing. It was Christmas Eve, a young Norman Vincent Peale, believe it or not. He was shopping with his father, Dr. Charles Clifford Peale. He was a physician. He had quit his medical practice to be the pastor of a Methodist Episcopalian church. And they were walking down 14th Street in Cincinnati when a homeless person, a bum, the way he tells the story, uh, approached them. And the, and the man stretched out his filthy hand and, uh, and touched young Norman Vincent Peale's shoulder. And he was frightened. And he shook himself off from that bum. And he ran down the sidewalk. And so Peel, his father, Dr. Charles Peel, went to his son and he gave him a dollar 
And he said, you go back and you find that bum. You find that man. And you give him money, but you give it to him in the name of Jesus Christ. Give it to him in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Norman did what he was told. And he was surprised that the man graciously received the money. And he smiled. And he had this beautiful radiance on his face. And he traveled home that evening, peeled it, riding up the street on Gilbert Avenue. And Clifford Peel asked his son to describe what happened. What happened? And Norman Vincent Peel, no surprise here, did not fumble with his words. He quickly answered, I saw the man as he really is. I saw him as he really is. He's not a bum. He's a gracious man in need. And his father said, always remember that, Norman. Always remember that. Never forget it. Jesus Christ can make men and women what they can be. Jesus Christ can make us what we can be. Today, right here, right now, if we could all stand. Our lives can be reconstructed, can be renovated, can be reformed, can be transformed by Jesus Christ. He has that power. I want it to be that way with people who come in contact with me. I, I want people to realize that their lives can be changed because of their contact with me. I want my life to be lived in such a way, not necessarily the words I speak, but the life I live. I want it to be done in such a way that people realize that God is a transforming God, that God is a loving God, that God is merciful. Amen? I want people to look at my life and say, I know he was troubled. I know he was bound. But one day he added Jesus to his life. And he's never been the same. Church, let's learn from a manger this morning. Let's learn from a manger. Let's be transformed. I'll tell you, church, if it had not been for Jesus, I don't know where any of us would be. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Thank